This is Joshua Bell and the Kilt and the Cloth as we continue our Tuesday uh, morning Bible study on our resurrection uh, stories, looking at a uh, just a comprehensive discussion between them. So we are currently in Mark chapter 14, verse 43, at the uh, betrayal and arrest of Jesus. We we went fairly quickly last week. 26. Uh, or is it 26? It's 43. Mm-hmm. Is it 43? 43. Yeah. It's dementia. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we have friends. Yeah. So uh, the, the one thing that I really wanted us to kind of to highlight before we get into the other parts is, is that Mark's gospel, uh, his institution of the Lord's Supper was very short, very sweet, straight to the point. There was not a whole really long discussion about it. But he does a very long conversation about his prayer in Gethsemane. There's the, the Passover meal with his uh, disciples that we discussed as well. And uh, it was funny that Ted brought this up, and I and I wasn't going to go here, but I think it's it's kind of important that one of the things that happens in Christianity um, now that we all read, um, and I and I mean that you know we're talking a less than 200 years that mm-hmm. everyone is has the access and the ability to access to mm-hmm. learning how to read. I'm not saying everybody knows how to read. They have access mm-hmm. to be educated how to read in the United States. Um, one of the things that's happened is, is we create this homogenized understanding of the Bible. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all stuck together in what we call the gospel of Christianity. And it's not and that's okay, right? Because that's all based off of faith, and that's and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I really want to emphasize that. Sometimes in my scripture, in, in our studies, I think sometimes it comes off like I'm being super harsh. When I'm doing this, I'm doing these comprehensive studies based off of the books because they are specifically different from one another. Mark's audience is completely different than Matthew's. Luke's audience is different than John's. Um, and so... Why is this important? Well, Mark's audience, uh, we tend to believe, was around Galilee, and 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 the Passover meal at the time that this took place was extremely still a part of their culture. Remember, Jesus is Jewish, so the idea that he has turned into something different doesn't come into conversation until like the second century. Mark. We tend to believe was written in between 65 and 75. And he he is not trying to be anything other than Jewish. So when we talk about this, it's really hard for us because when we hear this Passover meal, uh, notice that Mark comments that from 12 to, to 21, that that's all about the Passover meal. Uh and of course, what's happening during that Passover meal, he's talking about those that are betraying them. Think of the, the, the feast of the unleavened bread, right? This is the escape of from Egypt, the, the, the escape from bondage, the escape from all of the bad things. It talks about the plagues and all of the horrific things that took place to Israel. And, and, and uh, as he's talking about this, he then says, as, as they're having this Passover meal, and then... As if that's not enough. Peter's going to, somebody's going to do this and somebody's going to do that. Do you, you see the cool aspect of that? Let me let me say that again. So the Passover is about all of the, the things that took place to the Israelites in the past that were horrific, that took place to them. And, and they escaped by God's presence. Yeah. In, in the in the in the presence of God, they were able to leave and they were free. And in that moment, Jesus then reminds them, and as if that wasn't enough, someone's going to betray me, and I'm the mm-hmm. Son of Man, and I've come to free you from all of this bondage. Mm-hmm. Super deep here. And then he institutes the Lord's Supper. But notice that the Lord's Supper is different than the Passover meal. I say this every single time at the Monday Thursday service. The Lord's Supper is something. It's it happens during the Passover meal, 
It takes pieces of the Passover meal, but it's different than it's 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 like an addendum <laughs> is the best way I can say it. But the church Christianity, when we put this all together, uh, now understand I'm talking the Gospel of Mark. Mm -hmm. Mark looks at it this way. When you take Christianity and you institute religion and institution, it's it's hard to separate all of this knowledge that we have. Mark wants us to understand that Jesus is making the Passover meal something big and that this Lord's Supper that we're celebrating is another way for others to connect because the Passover meal was only for those that were Jewish because he's Jewish. Remember how the conversation all started? There's not a connection point for Gentiles. There's not a connection point for those that are not Jewish because they've never participated in it. It doesn't mean anything to them. So the institution for the Lord's Supper for the Gospel of Mark is a huge deal. And he doesn't need a whole lot. So the Gentiles would not be doing anything during this celebration? Nope. Nope. Not even having fun or... Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean let's, let's join in. It's in download type thing. No, because Passover was done in people's homes, families' homes. So uh, it wasn't like a big festival. I mean, it would have been in Jerusalem, but it would only been for the Jewish culture. This is the interesting thing about our, uh, that we have found is, is that Passover was only for Jewish folks. And the, like the Romans and the Gentiles that were walking around, they're like, oh, yeah, there's that. They're celebrating Passover. We don't know what's going on because they did it in their homes. You think about the other Jewish festivals that are celebrated throughout the year. Right. I don't even know when those are going by. You know? <laughs> right. When you say, oh, this is the piece of trumpets going on. Okay. Thumbs up for that. Yeah. When is yeah. that? And what is it? Yeah. That's probably the way they were you know, Passover. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jerusalem was, and is still is, this is the part that's cool. It says, uh, it's this cosmopolitan town. So there's people from all over the world at that time because it's a humongous place of trade. And they're just they just see, oh, in the evening the Jews are going to go home and they're going to celebrate whatever it is they're doing. Also remember that Jerusalem has its temple, right? The Israelites have their temple, but all the way around the outside they have temples to the other gods because there's Romans coming in and it's it's a smart plan. It's a good business plan to have places where people can pay to do their business, you know. So there's, so I, I hate, I hate to use this as an analogy, but you want to think of it as a humongous urban area where uh, everybody can come together and worship in one place within a block of each other. The gathering place. Together at the same time. So were they, do they, like, like, they like Seventh Street, huh? Yeah. Like, okay. they tend to live in a certain area of the city. Yep. They kind of, yep. like, they weren't just like scattered throughout with all the. Well, Jerusalem was an, an uh, a, Control. It was under Roman control, but in Jerusalem, it was the Jews' home hometown. So, to them, Jerusalem was together, but they they definitely tried to live next to each other. Okay. Uh, I had a, a rabbi uh, person, a friend of mine, once tell me that a Jew cannot be a Jew by itself. Okay. You, you have to have a community. So, um, and so that's why they they travel together. That's why they live next to each other. That's why. When you go to New York City, there's the Hasidic part of town. There's the Orthodox part of town. You know, it's you, you you have to live together. So, so that's a great question. So Passover to the to the Gentiles would not have meant anything. And Mark knows this. Mark knows that the people that are hearing this for the very first time are going, oh, oh, but he doesn't go into the detail as to what's happening. He doesn't talk about the plagues or the the pharaoh or you know the, mm -hmm. the prayers mm -hmm. he just talks about during that meal this because is what everybody knew it. well uh, but it, to him it wasn't the focus yeah but but it would be like me trying to explain to you the order of service at our church when you're very well aware of what the order of service is at our church i don't have to say that i just have to say worship and or you talking to someone on the street that we don't really necessarily want them to know the order of service. We just want them to know about communion. So um, we've never met this person before. They, they might not know. So Mark's audience is both, um, which is different. 
and Matthew is talking specifically to a Jewish audience. Luke is talking to a to specifically a Jewish and Greek and Roman audience. Mark has kind of kind of a, a both and scenario. That's why I was where I was going with. So then it leads up to the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. And so I'm going to spend a little bit of time on that today. Well, I'm going to spend a lot of time on that today because I want to talk about it legally. Any, any more questions? All right, cool. Here we go. Mark chapter 14, verse 43. Immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. And with him uh, was there um, was a crowd of swords and clubs with the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Um, sorry, my hands. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under the guard. So when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid hands on him and arrested him. But one of those who stood near his stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. A certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught a hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. The what? I've never heard this part before. I mm -hmm. know. Um, who is this mysterious person? Yeah. Some say that it was smart. Um, streaker. <laughs> yeah, streaking. Streaking yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. First streak. <laughs> so mean it's okay to streak? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Only moment when there's somebody getting arrested and ears oh. are getting cut off. Okay. Not well, <laughs> not, not at the fate of Paul. Our community story. Eureka! Yeah. Go to the town naked. Yeah. Hmm. Did you read down, down here? Oh, yeah. No, I was going to get there. Okay. So another thing here. How many? Am I the only one? Because I I mean, I always picture the man whose ear was cut off as a soldier. And I picture soldiers coming to take him away. There aren't any soldiers here. Nope. Anybody else? I mean, anybody else had that impression that there was, the Jews were taken away by soldiers? No. Nope. It just says under guard. Led him away under guard. guard but, that's what it said. Yeah. But in my brain... And maybe from movies or pictures or something, it seems like it was always a soldier that took him. It's in one of the gospels. Okay, okay. That's one it. of one of the gospels says soldiers came and took him and arrested. Okay. So yep, you're you're not wrong. <clears throat> it just has more questions down there. Is it this or is it that? Could it be that? So is it Lynn? Yeah, no. Uh throw stuff out there. Dr. Carter re really wanted us to avoid uh subtext mm -hmm. here. The, so le legally, there's a few things that are wrong with this. Um, so there's there's a lot of, of, of assumptions made with this passage. So first off, um, one cannot be arrested at, in the dark of night unless it's uh, a capital offense, right? like murder. Hmm. Um, something bad is taking place here, right? Mark is also very good at recognizing that we're not going to say it was soldiers. Um, his, um, well, I'm not going to talk bad about Rome, and I'm definitely not going to talk bad about the Sanhedrin. Um, so, because at the time that he's writing this, Sanhedrin was still alive and well. Um, notice that he uses the theological statements. Uh, are, are you have you come to with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. Um that, that's a that's an interesting passage of 
scripture because there is no scripture tied to the prophet, the Messiah being um, arrested. Um, so scholars have not struggled about this in any way, shape, or form because, again, the, the Messiah or the Mashiach, well, no, there, there's a little bit of a difference of an understanding. And, and Mark is also navigating through this passage. I've always told you this. I'm going to stick to it till I die. The idea was the Messiah that came was going to save us, save the Israelites from being in bondage and release the world. I mean, I, I want you to have that in your brain. This is not that passage. This is very human. So, Mark, this is what we would call an insert. This is Markin's understanding. Are you going to walk? Is there is there a scripture that you fulfilled that that says that the Messiah was with you in the temple teaching? Yeah, that part. Okay. Yep. He's going to teach. He's going to know Torah. He's a he's a rabbi. Notice that Judas called him a rabbi. Or does Judas have teacher? Rabbi. Uh, rabbi. Good. It was a rabboni. It's rabbi. Rabbi. Good. It's just R A B B I. That's all. Good. 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 Um, Robbie. Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be one of those? Oh, yeah, it's one yeah. of those. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So let's talk about number verse 51. We're going to we're going to use two different scholars on this conversation. So we're going to use Dr. Hal Tosik, um, who is also one of my professors. And Dr. Warren Carter. Dr. Warren Carter will tell you that, and then he says, and I'm going to just use his comment, I'm going to use his words. Who the young man was and what he represents is the subject of much speculation. Is he connected to the young man at the tomb in verse 16, verse chapter 16, verse 5? Is the linen cloth he wears connected to the linen cloth wrapped around Jesus' body in chapter 15, verse 46? Or is the young man who runs away naked simply the concrete narrative illustration of flight, as Judas is of betrayal and Peter is of denial? Some scholars connect the young man to passages in the secret gospel of Mark. That's one of the Gnostic texts that we tend to, tend to use. And I don't like the phrase Gnostic because it's a derogatory term, but it's a practice because they knew the truth. So that's where the Gnosis comes from. Uh, mentioned in a disputed letter of Clement of Alexandria discovered in the 20th century. Secret Gospel of Mark has uh, just an interesting story. This is where scholars say that must have been the Markin, this, the guy that wrote the Gospel of Mark, that's him. He's taken off. And somebody else has filled in the blank after that. So that's what Dr. Carter has said. Notice that he doesn't give you an answer. That's on purpose. Um, we don't know who this guy There's is. No There's yeah. no answer. I mean, that's that's the so what what is the purpose of that passage of scripture? Well, Mark right. Mark does this a lot. Um, it's my favorite part about Mark. He's like, Oh, yeah, here let me throw this out. And on on the rest of the yeah. story. Um, like I said at the end of chapter 16, they just run away and hide. Um they, they don't go proclaiming Jesus' resurrection. They they disappear. Um, so it's it's a weird, uh, weird story. Now, Dr. Hal Tossig takes part of what Dr. Warren Carter says. Now, these are both very respected Markin scholars. And Dr. Tossig would say that it, it is, is it's a, how did he say it? And now I'm pulling it away because I should have brought it with me, but... Um, he says that the young man that was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth, that caught a hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked, was the, the audience. All of these people were following him um, with very little faith. It, it just It's just as if it's a linen cloth, like it's very thin. Um, and then they abandoned him 
at the moment of need. Um, so this this was he uses it as a group analogy. So it's not just a man; it's the people. It's everybody. It's so everybody. It was it really a man, or was it just a symbol? For Doctor Hal Tossig, he would say it's a symbol of the group following him. Okay, in his opinion. In his opinion, and and he he backs it up with the idea that Mark was written. He psychologizes the Gospel of Mark, which you all have heard me say. You have to be careful when you do that because psychology was not a thing in the first century. They were just documentarians. The agenda was Jesus and that's simple. Um, there's a lot of scholars, however, that would back up Dr. Hal Tosik because it's a prophetic Hebrew Bible way of saying the group left him. Um, if you look at it in that way, they caught a hold of him, but he left nothing and ran off naked. You were uh, you were exposed to everything. And uh, I know you're a chaplain now with the fire department, and when you're dealing with crisis mm -hmm. uh, and someone's house is on fire, they're concerned about their own safety yeah. more than putting on shoes, getting dressed, and getting out of the house. They get out of the house. So I manage. I imagine, excuse me, that that the fire department sometimes has to deal with people who are unclothed that might be dealing with a, a fire of their house or something like that. Yeah, yeah the, the, it's a great analogy. So typically when you come to a moment of, uh, let's just use a house fire. So you go to the house fire, people aren't necessarily, there are moments where people are worried about their possessions, but really you're just trying to get them safe. And they're the ones that are saying, here, let me grab this or let me grab this. And, and we have to just grab them as they are and get them out of the building. Not me. They, right. they grab them <laughs> yeah. out of the building and get out there. Another analogy would be like when you're on an airplane and they tell you to put your oxygen mask on you first before you put it on your children. Because if you don't, you're going to die and your, your kid's going to die also. So there's so there is there's a concrete evidence for us in the 20th and 21st century that we can tie that Dr. Hal Tossig might not be wrong with that. Like this, this, that Mark was saying, they left and they ran away naked. This, this the thematic imagery comes out throughout all of this. And that comes from crisis. This has happened just like the Israelites. It's kind of like saying you can't help others if you don't help yourself first. That's right. And in the gospel of Mark, there's a sense of abandonment of Jesus throughout this point and all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. His followers, who could have outnumbered all of the people and protected him, didn't. Um, you know, I mean, we just got done reading, was it last week, about the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem in Mark chapter 13. I think it was last week, the week before last. You can hear it in their tone of voice. In the, in the Markin's writer tone of voice that how traumatic this event is to him. And then from that point on, he's just mad at everybody. Mark is. That nobody, nobody even tries. They, they just he he heals people, he brings people back to life, he does all of these things. Mark is human. I mean, Jesus is Mark is human. Mark's Jesus is human. Sorry. Um we translate. I know I appreciate you guys so much for that. So Mark's Jesus is human, but at the end of the day, this human who's done all these things for you, the audience, has not done anything for him. It's supposed to be both handed. So are you mm -hmm. saying that Mark is a, a primary source? He's an earliest source. I never, I never thought, I always thought that he was not with Jesus, not one of Jesus' actual followers. No, he's he's a, he's definitely an earlier source. So yeah, I knew the Bible that his book was written first. Right. But I didn't think he was actually one of the, the He's people. not. But he is getting it from a from a primary source. From a primary source. Pretty close to a primary source. So the assumption that it was Mark that ran away naked is not, not gonna work because he wasn't there. Right. Which is why Clement is not necessarily a yeah, bad guy, but he, he only had the knowledge that he had at the time. Like a chair, like. So, you know, I, I've so heard speculation that Mark was young, you know, at the time of that, uh, of this writing. 
might have been there, you know, but um, that he might have been like an assistant or almost like a secretary to one of the disciples and heard these stories and, you know, recorded it from like that. I've not ever really known. But, you know, you could see potentially some sort of writer like, I'm going to kind of stick me in this story just, mm -hmm. just a little bit. Um, but again, there's no, there's no substance. Yeah. And I've always heard that, that he was a, a, a someone who, who wrote for someone who couldn't write. Who was one? Yes. Was yeah. one That's a definite answer. Yeah. yeah. And, and so if you put it timeline that way, he could be talking to an eyewitness. You know, that, I mean, that, that could have happened. Um, he could, the disciples part is a little hard to catch. I mean, yeah. It, but it's not that it's, I've heard that as well. I, I'm pretty sure you got that when you were in seminary, you know, it's, so um, th these, these conversations are still out there, <clears throat> but not, but, and there, uh, the part that I want you to get from this is that this little, little verse actually has a lot more meaning than just some guy getting naked and running off into the wilderness. There's a lot there to process, um, and Mark did it on purpose. That's the part I really want us to get. So, yep, Robert. Sorry. No, you're good. So you have two professors with two different thought processes. Always. Which is, is fine 2,000 years later. Yeah. <laughs> the people that have been sitting there listening to this, because they can't read, somebody's reading it to them. I don't think we've got this in depth. No. I think they would have just said, hey, yeah. don't know who this guy is, but yeah. he ran off naked. And yeah. He could have had more clothes on. Moved he could have had his belt yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> also, in the Jewish culture, especially the Old Testament, you cannot see a person naked. Right. Super sin. Yeah. Noah actually uh, puts Ham, because Ham is the one that sees him naked, and kicks him out of the house. And says you have wronged me, and then and then you have to live in the land of Canaan. Like that's that like it's yeah, it's super bad. Yeah. So that's why I'm making the argument that this is written for an audience that's not Jewish. It's 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 written for both. Because notice that there's not a and now you're all cast away. Because mm -hmm. that would have happened. And and I guess my question in all this is they still were Jewish, but the writers were the writers in the Bible are super smart. I mean, yes. the writers. I mean, you know, it's unbelievable that 2,000 years later, it can mean something to us. Yeah. I I just struggle that the people at that time would have understood it for much more than, you know. Maybe he lost his clothes. That's why he ran around or ran away naked because you can't be seen. Right. I mean, you know, or whatever. I guess the psychology I can understand comes later. I don't think they would have got it. The only thing that Dr. Carter would say is it's a weird thing. It, it, it would it would back you up. It would back you up 100%. It's a weird thing to put in the scripture because they are super smart. And what does this have to do with Roman Empire? Dr. Carter would say then after that. He would. So he, would, he does. He does every single time. I just had a conversation with him not more than three weeks ago and I was there and uh, not about this, but he says, well, Josh, don't forget the Roman Empire. I know. I'm, <laughs> and a side note, you mentioned the people not coming to his rescue. Yes. I've got, and it's been a long time since I played with it, but I have a timeline of different things just where I was putting in this happened there. This, uh, at the time of the destruction of the temple. That was as big a nerd as you. He is. <laughs> Jerusalem had a population of approximately 4,000. Size of Perry. Size of Perry. I mean, you know, I, I think that's something, and I'm speaking for myself, that I lose that, you know, there's, with all that's going on, you're talking about a town our size, and mm -hmm. let's just say that the police, it's not nice to say it, though. The Romans and our police force probably were not dissimilar in size. But right. They would have had a few, and the Herodians would have had a few more. But the population would have been far larger mm -hmm. and the people were coming to Jerusalem I guess what I'm trying it's to say a limited it, number for Passover. they would have had a whole lot more 
people there that could have done something. And obviously some of them were armed. The ones with Jesus were armed. So right. I guess what I'm trying to say is they had the capability of doing something if they had so chose to do so. You're correct. Um, that would have been the beginning of the revolution that we had to the zealots. They were like, this is the moment. What I heard is exactly what Judas wanted. That's right. And and I've, I know that I've put, you know, there's 35, 40 years in there between the, the two time frames I'm talking about. Because the population of 4,000, I was mentioning, was at the destruction of the temple. And they had the revolution going on at that time. Yeah, no, it, the, the revolution, revolutionaries, this revolution is a very strong term. I would say that there were people that were mad and they were causing little skirmishes against Rome after Jesus' resurrection. That started taking place at about 50 and, and it led all the way up to the 65. And so they they were they were getting more and more aggressive and they were physically violent. Like, I want to make sure I say that. Like it was throwing sticks and rocks and terrorists. Ter they were terrorists. Bad, I'm being guys. Mm -hmm. They were bad guys because they were throwing rocks at the Roman soldiers who had armor on. And, and they didn't have swords because no one could have swords unless you were Roman, which is a fascinating little piece here that we just kind of blow past. Who's the guy with the sword? Did you notice mm -hmm. the sword has, he has it on him? Yeah. But I would have thought it was somebody working for the for the Romans or for the government at that time. I mean, because it said he, they, he had to have, to me, he had to ha be involved somewhat with them. Be, I mean, with the Romans because he was going to, they mentioned the word arrest and I can't arrest you. I'm a, no. a lay person. So <clears throat> I don't know that it was a soldier, but it yeah. was somebody with authority is what I'm yeah. So thinking so it's it's a weird mark yeah mark just says this is what took place it was super weird <laughs> nothing about it makes sense all of it is weird like it go ahead some things don't change so no <laughs> yeah i think that's why mark is still very viable today i mean mm -hmm. i think this is why i love teaching the gospel of mark so much because it's it's the i don't have the answer but we're going to talk about it anyway, mm -hmm. you know, which, by the way, let's go to verse 53. Speaking of not making a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so they took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests for the elders and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. <laughs> now, the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave false te testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another, not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest <laughs> stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent did not answer again the high priest asked him are you the messiah the son of the blessed one jesus said now this is important i am and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven then the high priest tore his clothes and said why do we still need witnesses you have heard his blasphemy what is your decision all of them condemned him as deserving death some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to strike him, saying to him, prophesy. The guards also took him over and beat him. Okay. So, they're not supposed to be seen naked. Why is he ripping his clothes off? Tearing his clothes. Tearing his clothes. Oh, okay. Good question. Because I was thinking about that earlier, and I'm thinking, they're just like ripping their clothes off and laying prostate on the floor. This is a... This is a, this is a, oh, a man. Oh, okay. uh, you, you see it all the way through the keyboard well. That's it's right. In the heaven of it, they just rip their. Yeah. Okay. Like, for example, the best example of this is Job. Job rents his clothes and he covers himself in ash and he wears nothing but sackcloth. Why? 
because he's very distressed. Okay. Well, and we talked about how clothing was a very um, expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. And he's a high priest, so he's he's, he's, a super experienced. Expensive. (laughs) Sorry. So that's really serious whenever you start that's right. Tearing your clothes, okay. yeah. yeah. You know, would you tear up your Louis Vuitton? Great ankle. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to The scripture he quotes from is the book of Daniel, which is actually rather interesting. Uh, Daniel was written in Greek, um, not in Hebrew. He also, part of that is Psalms. Um, so I've always thought that was neat. Like he, he, Daniel and Psalms. Daniel and Psalms. Uh, Daniel does get translated into Hebrew, but uh, but Daniel is one of those weird books that's on both sides of the fence. Um, let's see what else. Clothing was highly but yeah, demonstrated anger, great dismay. Um, so he has a trial with the chief priest. Nobody can give true testimony. By the way, the way that this would work, this is my favorite. It doesn't make sense story. All it takes, according, okay, and I have to make sure I say this correctly for the recording. It was my understanding, we'll do it that way, that according to Torah, if you had more than two or three people testify against you, it became true. If you Mm -hmm. had more than two or three that testified against you, it it also was in your defense. Like, for example, think of the story of Solomon. You have two women that say that this child is theirs. The child that the they say, This is my child, this is my child. And then Solomon says, Okay, well, then I'll give you the bottom half, then I'll give you the top half. And they say, and then the real mom says, Nope, let her have the kid. And he says, that's the mom. This is that kind of imagery. That's what's supposed to take place here. Now, that's not what happens, right? Solomon mm-hmm. is a, is his own Mashiach story is on his own. But we know that humans are faulty. So the priest <clears throat> doing his trial, after a few times, they're supposed to stop. Like the trial's supposed to stop there. And notice that he he's the one that asks Jesus, the question, uh, who are we missing from this story? Disciples. The disciples? Lawyers. The lawyers. I was about to say, yeah. We don't have any Sadducees in this story. It's like the judge asking the question. It's the judge Mm -hmm. asking the question, not the lawyers. So the objective here is, this is why it's also bad. This is supposed to be the Sanhedrin, but not all of the Sanhedrin are there. Nobody knows exactly why they're out of the story. The Pharisees are also not in this story, right? You've got the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. Does this say elder as in Presbyteros? Okay, good. Have to check that one because Mark changes the type of word. So you've got the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes there at the story. So the two people that could have totally backed up the chief priest, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, are not in the story. So not you don't even have the full. Sanhedrin. Now, I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, my, I, I had a professor tell me that, Josh, you're, you're really, you're digging deep here. I don't think so. I think the Gospel of Mark mentions them multiple times. I think that Mark leaves them out of this story on purpose, because it's a mock trial. So you now have the religious leaders, not the lawyers, that are making this decision. And then, and then what does he do? He says, are you the Messiah? Um, does it say Christos? Or... Verse 16. Christos. Christos, yeah. So it should say, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? That's, that's, not, a, that's not a really good question. So this, it was, I mean, if he's, a, if he's really a chief priest, notice he's, he's not even asking the right question. It, it should be, uh, it, it should be, they say that you are this, are you this, you know, but he's not even, I mean, that's not even an answer, <laughs> right? Like, that's not even the right question. 
Notice that this trial is completely different than the Gospel of Matthew that we just got done reading. I was going to ask, why do you think they don't they don't call him out by name? This is the closest one to knowing the chief priest's name. Right. I mean, you know. Right. And maybe that's the reason. Maybe everybody knows the chief. Everybody knows it's Caiaphas. Yeah. So why why bother? But there's other times when they they get very specific. You know. Right. They want you to know that hey, we know this guy's name. Mm -hmm. Also, it seems kind of strange since it was they're framing him that they wouldn't have their stories the same. Well, I was going to say that verse fifty nine, and even then their testimonies did not agree. Uh, another gospel. Mm -hmm. The soldiers there. This one doesn't. And then, Correct. So even his followers couldn't get there together either. I mean, there you go. Yeah. So it leads more even into Mark's understanding of the separation. <clears throat> you see how how much different this story is from Matthew. Like it's it's a totally different story in in the in the semantic stuff, and the semantics matter to Mark. So his even his own people that testified for him didn't even agree on that. That's the big deal. Um, sorry, I just it seems like these things out. Peter would have went in too. I know. Right. I know. Where's Peter, Peter in this? I know Peter's afraid, but you know he's out with the guards. Hmm. Yep. If there's anybody that's going to poke him with a stick, it's going to be the guards. I'd rather be in with the <laughs> the mob. I guess Jesus is completely abandoned. Yeah, I mean, there is no yeah. for him. Nobody's being out right. Yeah. And it gets worse because on the at the actual crucifixion, he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken? And, and this is in that passage. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a huge deal. <clears throat> I really want you to I told you Mark starts to build differently towards his death. Now a lot of times Jesus doesn't even speak for himself. He's just silent. I get so frustrated that I guess. I knew what good would it do for him to speak up? It was a mock anyway. Yeah, this but, isn't even but, the real way this would But that may be possibly be because what they're asking makes no sense. So why answer something that doesn't make sense? How can you make, you know, no sense? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I have another question. Yeah, no, that's why we're doing this. On verse 53, my Bible says they took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priest, elders, and teachers of the law came together. Then in 55, it says the chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus. And a while ago, you said not even the whole, not the lawyers and the, the priest. Or they're, the, not, they're not asking the questions. Okay. Yeah, so... It implies it mine, mine says council. Mine says council. council, but the Greek is Sanhedrin. That's Sanhedrin. That's Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin in Greek is 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 there, but the they chief priest is not asking. Yeah, chief priest isn't supposed to be asking the questions. Okay. But That's then who's I'm asking the questions over here? On, on the, Did you because you said just a while ago that the, the priests were asking Jesus the questions mm -hmm. and they were asking not even asking the right questions. That's right. So, so let's just say you've got the Sanhedrin there. Okay. And they just threw that in as a as a side note. The people that should be asking the questions are so the sad the, the aren't chief, asking the questions or aren't there. The the Sadducees and Pharisees are evidently there, but they've been told to shut up. <laughs> like if you look they at it that way, they don't want any fact. We don't want an actual trial. Okay. So the Mark is making sure the goal that Mark is making here <clears throat> is that they're they're a byproduct. The chief priest, who's the religious leader of all of Israel, is asking the questions that he should not be the one doing it. Okay. That's that's the part that Mark is wanting you to understand. So yeah, I misspoke there. I always look at it when I when I write this article, when I wrote the paper on this, goal for me was the ones that should have been asking the questions never did. And the ones that shouldn't have are the ones that are. Um, because the lawyers, I mean, that's their whole purpose in life. Yeah. Is to and, and interpret you want, the law. And you want them to. Yeah. You, you don't want your chief priest to interpret the law of Torah. 
their job is to do the religious functions of of Israel. So you want them to do the off. You want them to be focused in on the worship of God. Separation. That separation. Yeah. And so the the Sadducees, their whole job is to say, this is Torah. This is how it should be done. Now the chief priests did did stand in place of the judges because that's what ends up happening historically. In the time of judges, that we had judges that took care of that, so the chief priests didn't. And then we got rid of the judges because we found out, well, they're corrupt. And and then we put the chief priests. And so Mark makes this argument that says, no, the chief priests are so corrupt that they can't even see what's right in front of their faces because the Sadducees and the Pharisees should be asking these questions. And then it makes sense then. Yeah, one quick. Short. Yep. Lame little bunny, so he won't go far. In 62, uh, Jesus says, I am, and you will see. Is he, is you us, or is he addressing the, specifically the priest here? Uh, yes. It's both. <laughs> okay, so does anybody besides me see us? Um, uh, uh, the movie with the uh, you, you can't handle the truth, right? Yeah, this is a few good men. The, the, the lawyer said, Are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, and you will see. Yeah, <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> yep, that's it. Is it kind of like let's just get through this process as quickly as we can? There you go. Forget about what we've done in the past. Let's don't just get through it. Don't ask too many questions. Yeah, right. just process or procedure to this. That's the whole point. We discussed this last week with Mark that it's the end, not the story. Right. Not the journey. It's the end. Mm -hmm. It's the end. And right now, he's abandoned by his own people. He is the people that should have stood up for him did not. Um, the religious leaders are so corrupt that they can't even see. And, the, the miracle right in front of their face. Notice that the Romans are not in this story yet. This is the part I really want you to... They don't need them for fake trials. They just need them to kill go. somebody. And and they can't. That's right. Mm. In Matthew, they're inserted throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Mark, uh -uh. we did this. And he's not saying just we as Jews. <laughs> right? Because not everybody that followed Jesus was Jewish. <laughs> we the people. We is a big mm -hmm. W. It's all of the followers of Jesus. This is why we have to be careful when we talk about the Gospel of Mark, because it does kind of give an anti-Jewish sentiment. That's not what's taking place here. These people are not all Jewish that are in the audience. And and they did not stand up for him. And I get that implication. <laughs> say that again. If you all were there, you would have done the same thing. There you go. <laughs> there you we're go. We're all... We all would have denied that. There's a there's a sense of culpability that takes place in the Gospel of Mark that we tend to overlook because it makes us uncomfortable. We go, oh well, that we wouldn't do that. Oh yeah, yeah. Peter mm -hmm. says he wouldn't do it either. And we're going to finish this with Peter denying Jesus. So let's read verse sixty six. While Peter was below in the courtyard, notice he's not even in the courtyard. One of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you were talking about. And he went out into the forecourt, which just means away from where he was. Then the cock crowed, and the servant girl, on seeing him, began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. Then after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse, <laughs> and he swore an oath. I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. We stopped there for today. But... <clears throat> We're not, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to discuss there, but even his own beloved person denied him. I just have to look at something real quick before we stop recording. Yeah, so Peter 
Peter was at the Garden of Gethsemane. He saw all of this stuff take place. <clears throat> Denied him again. So even the one that he is elevated throughout the whole Gospel of Mark, somehow, some way, uh, denies Jesus three times. And, and then finally Jesus, gave, Peter recognizes it and says, oh, okay. And then he falls down and cries. Wow. So um, next week, uh, we're going to pick up with chapter 15. And uh, if I remember correctly, we can get through it fairly quickly and, and probably end with the Gospel of Mark next week. But we'll we'll try and see what we, where we go. <clears throat> um, I think the, the more important thing for me is Mark, I want us to be careful as I close the recording. Uh, Mark's intent is different than the other four Gospels, uh, you know, the other three Gospels. Um, and you're starting to catch it. So I want you to keep keep this idea in your head that this is not this is not a good happy ending. That Matthew and Luke put a nice little bow in it. Jo John spends you know 15 chapters talking about it, where Mark does not give us a happy ending um, that we all have in love and adore. And so I I really want you to be thinking about that. Um, not obsessing about it because I don't want us to come out of it in a bad place. Because it, what Mark does is he inspires the Gospels of Matthew and Luke in some way or another. We, we can tell because it's the crossover of stories. Matthew takes stories and makes them almost identical from the Gospel of Mark. Matt Luke mm -hmm. takes stories and they're almost identical from the Gospel of Mark. John takes stories from uh, Matthew and Luke, and they're almost identical. But obviously, like we were talking about today, you can you can start to see where uh, someone had to have been a, an eyewitness report that's reporting this um, and telling the story of Jesus in such a way that people need to know the story. So we usually call that the Q source. And Mark is as close to the Q sources we have besides the Gospel of Thomas, but that's a conversation for another day. And I'll stop there on the recording.